Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about that little movie, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, and I am happy to be joined once again by uh, my Maya, do you want to be renamed the nerd correspondent? I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Marvel correspondent <laughs> anyway, because you know, this is a non-Marvel movie. You, you can be the Marvel correspondent that's just here for the Star Wars movie, or you can be the nerd correspondent. I don't know how you want that, but... I'm going to come up with a clever title for it, but along those lines, yes. All right, you can figure that out by the end of the podcast. And I'm also happy to be joined for the first time by my friend and uh, Star Wars uh, fan, uh, Josh Verlin. Josh, thanks for being here. Josh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It feels like it took too long to happen. Yeah, no, I've, I've been trying to track Josh down as a guest for a couple of years, and then he reached out and he was like, hey, I'm actually into Star Wars. And I, as I've said before on this podcast, uh, I, I guess this is actually the first time a Star Wars movie has come out since this iteration of my podcast happened, so maybe I haven't talked a lot about it. But, I, guys, I don't actually don't have the deepest relationship with Star Wars. I went on a little bit of a binge the last couple of weeks, and I rewatched like Rogue One and the prequels and the original three and then and then, and then the two prior ones from this trilogy just to like be a little bit more well-read. Though when you try and watch like nine movies like that in 10 days it turns into like a bit of a blur so i still don't know them that well but i know them a lot better than i did two weeks ago so i am happy to have a couple people that just know star wars a little better than i do here to talk about this with me who can more easily reference things and uh kind of pick up on a lot of what this movie is trying to do because i think for better or worse it sounds like a, a lot of people really do think this movie is hearkening back a lot to the old movies but uh the rise of skywalker picks up at least sometime after uh the last jedi where uh, ray is now more deeper inner Jedi training and Kylo Ren is off doing Kylo Ren things but then Emperor Palpatine long thought to be dead has sent out some kind of broadcast signal throughout the galaxy and Kylo Ren finds a Sith Wayfinder which again I'm still not sure what those things are maybe you guys can help explain that to me in a little bit but he finds a Sith Wayfinder device and uh, on the planet Mustafar leading him to the uncharted planet of Exegol where Palpatine has been hanging out for some length of time. I don't know, and, and let's let's Kylo Ren know. Look, I've been puppeteering you the whole time. I made made up Snoke, and I've been controlling all this all along. And you're going to come be on the dark side with me with all these star destroyers I have, and you can be really powerful once you kill Ray. And then apparently there's a spy in the First Order, and we're going to talk about the very funny reveal of who that spy is too, and uh, who who then lets the Resistance know like, hey, there's this thing going on in Exegol. You need to go find another Wayfinder to go find your way there and all of our heroes are off and that is basically the conceit of this movie though they are run- running around to a lot of different places to actually be able to find their way to Exegol and Kylo Ren is kind of doing his I I, I don't know if you guys do either of you guys listen to the binge mode podcast no no, so they've been they've been going all out doing re, with all Star Wars content, but they kind of called the Kylo Ray connection force timing, which I think that's a that's a that's a more succinct way to explain whatever it is they're doing. So I'm probably going to refer to it as that whenever we want to talk about them and their little connection and how they can start passing. Uh, progressively bigger items back and forth to one another uh and that that's basically where this movie goes to and and then we're off so guys i this has been a very this movie has had a very divisive reaction it's almost like the seems like a little bit of the inverse of the the reaction to the last jedi which did very well with critics and not so hot with fans and it it seems like this has kind of flipped that upside down a little bit so i'm really curious to see uh where you guys came down on this so i'm going to start with maya maya can you first put in the context a little bit because i've actually never really talked to you about star wars before uh where you were at going into this is based on your expectations and what you wanted out of it uh, from what you saw from uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi and how Rise of Skywalker did in uh, meeting all your hopes and dreams for this movie. So uh, as my personal background, I'm pretty much a a purist when it comes to the original three movies um, in that I like the fifth one the best. Um, I like the fourth one the second best. And... Um, you know, Ewoks have no place in my life, but there they are. (laughs) Um, and, and honestly speaking, you know, being a fan, I give a lot of credit to the creators of the newer trilogy and that there, there were a lot of great elements in the trilogy that sort of brought about the purity of star Wars and that the first movie they had, some of the old school cutaways, they brought back a lot of nostalgia and I, and I really appreciated that. I actually very much enjoyed it. Um, when, when it came to the last Jedi, I started seeing them sort of lose a little bit of their tracking and trying to move towards more of a commercialized aspect. 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, there's ways to save this plot. There's ways to save this movie. Maybe this is just a filler film. But typically speaking, um, you know, when you have a filler film, you, you're supposed to have like a really strong plot line to finish off. And instead of that, I sort of felt that there's two movies jumbled up into one movie with a lot of fan service, and that was episode nine. Um, and one of the reasons why I feel this way was because, number one, they have two new parks that they have to commercialize in a big way. And how do they get super creative about that? You had a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new places, a bunch of merchandise, and hmm. we're going to sell that for a great amount of money. Um, and the interesting thing is the stock price of Disney actually, when the, the critics, uh, reviews first came out, went down. Ooh. Um, I was going to say the ironic the, thing was that with all these characters they're created, they're probably going to make a lot more money off of baby Yoda merchandise than anything from the movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely bought a baby Yoda, um, what's it called? Funko pop doll. So I don't know what you're talking about. They're doing something right with the Mandalorian. <laughs> but um, in terms of my reaction, um, watching that, thinking, huh, that's interesting. Um, this movie must suck. Um, but you know what? In, regardless of how the um, people who are investing in Disney sort of see it, Disney has made a killing. They will continue to make a killing. And they've done something totally right when it comes to adding all these different characters. Um, but in terms of how the fan base sort of sees it, I, it's kind of split down the middle. I very much want to fall in love with these characters. I want to develop a relationship with them. I don't need to be introduced to 30 more characters in the span of a movie just because there's a point to prove or just because somebody is trying to catch up to somebody else's storyline. And J.J. Abrams had a lot to deal with uh, when the issues with um, Ryan Johnson's film. And I think that he did what he, um, he, he, he did what he could to save certain elements and he just royally screwed up in others. And I was overall very dismayed with the movie, the point where I came out and I just couldn't speak for a good, you know, 45 seconds. And then I just kept saying, well, that was just a, that was just bad. <laughs> I kept repeating it over wow. and over again. <laughs> and I just was frustrated for the entirety of the night and it just devolved. And I feel so bad for my boyfriend and for my friend who had to hear me just rag on that film that we all just saw. Well, that's interesting. Cause I haven't met a lot of people that don't like either movie, uh, either of these last two movies. It seems like, it seems like people are kind of flipped one way or the other. Uh, Josh, wh where were you at like, with force awakens and last Jedi? Like, did you think the trilogy was in a really strong place? And how do you think it went? How do you think it concluded? Okay. So to give like a general background of my relationship with star Wars, yeah, right? Please do. This is my cat. His <laughs> name is Luke. I oh, well, wow. come over here. <laughs> and then I have a Y wing Lego set, like right over here. Okay, so Star Wars, I, I got introduced to the original trilogy when I was, like, five years old and just, like, fell in love with them. And I've been, I'm not someone, like, I'm not really an expanded universe guy, you know? I've kind of been, like, a movie purist when it comes to Star Wars. I don't know a ton about, like, I know some of the backstory and things and, like, the stuff that's been written in Wikipedia and all that, but I'm not someone who's, like, read a ton of comic books or, like, played a ton of the video games. or So I don't really know a lot of the, like, sort of extended lore. But yeah. I really love the movies. And even, like, I'm the kind of person who thought, like, episodes one, two, and three weren't atrocious, you know? Like, they're bad. Like, they're not a good, great movies, but they're Star Wars movies, and that, to me, makes them special. So, so to give you, like, a little bit of context, the fact that there was going to be a seven, eight, and nine was already, like, a monumental occurrence in my life of, like, we're going to be getting three more, like, real Star Wars movies. Right. And so, you know, my kind of thinking with this was, like, all right, it's never going to be perfect in terms of, like, how I would want it to be because I'm such a, like a Luke Leia and Han fan. Like I would want it to mostly be the original trio kind of going and, and, and seeing how they've changed 30 years later. And obviously then when seven came out and it's like, okay, that's not what they're going to do. They're going to go with this new generation and Luke Leia and Han are going to be supporting members. And I was like, all right, I'm, I, I get it. I'm okay with that. It wasn't like, I wasn't thrilled by it, but I understand it. And then I'm kind of someone, I, I, I thought eight wasn't amazing. There were certain things like, 
especially after Carrie Fisher's death, when they had an opportunity for her to sort of die a, a, a heroic death there, and then to have her come back to life, I wasn't sure that was the greatest. And I don't, I don't hate what they did with, agree. with her character. I guess in nine, I, I get that they wanted her to train Ray a little bit, and I like that, but that could have been an eight. Um, so I definitely am on board with like, all right, there were certain decisions made in eight that I didn't agree with Ryan Johnson. So coming into this one, I just was like, all right, they're not going to stick this, right? It's not going to be a Simone Biles, like 10 out of 10 landing. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I'm a sports writer. I'm going to work it in. Go for it. But I thought, all right, I like J.J. Abrams. I've been a J.J. Abrams fan. Like, Fringe is one of my all-time favorite shows. You know, like, I, I like what he did with, with Episode 7. I, I thought, I, I love what he's done with the Star Trek movies. Like, I'm like, all right, I, I trust that J.J. Abrams will bring this to a solid conclusion. And, and I got to disagree with Maya. I, I don't think it was perfect. Um, I think my assumption would be if J.J. had... Uh, his in, was in charge of the entire trilogy that he would probably have chosen to bring back Palpatine near the end of eight as a big, yes. uh, as, as a big reveal there. So then it wouldn't feel as forced into nine, but I also don't feel like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like he was the most powerful with the dark side of the force. They'd hinted at the ability to extend life. And if you're going with, okay, there's this Sith place where maybe he could have either cloned himself or, like, kept alive his consciousness so you didn't know. Like, I'm willing to say that, like, okay, Return of the Jedi was 32 years ago at this point or whatever it was, 35 years ago. They weren't really thinking, like, okay, there's going to be a ninth movie. How are we going to do this? I'm okay with a little bit of retconning. Like, oh, yeah, they, they killed him then, but he actually was alive. Because I think ultimately looking at all nine movies, like Palpatine is the bad guy. So to have it be somebody else didn't really make any sense. So I'm, I'm okay with that. They brought it back to Palpatine. I, I liked the ending, like the last, I don't think it was perfect, but that last 20 minutes of Ray getting the power of, and maybe I'm going into too much detail here, but Ray getting all the power of all the Jedi and then going back to Tatooine. And I, I, I don't know. I, I was happy. I left that smiling. I, I was happy with that. Okay. Well, let me, let me first say then that like overall, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of you two guys on these, uh, as far as my opinions on the movie, but my expectations had just been set so low by just the initial critics reviews. And then I saw it Friday night, but the few people I knew that saw it Thursday, I didn't talk to Maya about what she thought. Maya went Thursday, but the few people I did talk to, well, you and I never, never, ever discussed that before the podcast. It ruins the podcast. If we actually, right? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm glad we didn't. I'm just saying uh, the other people I talked to besides you did weren't that thrilled about it, and they're probably uh, a little bit more more likely to be apologists in the first place. So I was like, oh man, I'm really not going to like it. And I was just not. I, I and I just binged all these movies in like two weeks, and I was like almost sick of it at that point. I'm like, oh my god. I just watched all these prequels and I'm just like, I, I don't want to watch another bad movie. And I was like, so down in the dumps. And then like an hour in, I was like, oh, I'm actually enjoying this. And I, I, I just the, the title of the movie and the way everyone had talked about it, like I had thought that like they were going to somehow go back and retcon, like retcon it to like make Ray Luke's daughter. So my head went there. And I was like pleasantly surprised when that wasn't the case. But my my thing is though, and I'm glad I'm fine that you brought it to Palpatine, Josh, because that's where I wanted to start with him. He's the big bad of the first like six movies, but like he's not even mentioned. Bar- he's barely mentioned, if at all, in the in the previous two. So it's just like, and on, that on top of the fact that I just don't think he's that interesting to begin with. I, I that's fine. I get it. They wanted to make some kind of redemptive arc for Kylo, and if it, I, I would have been fine with them just having these other uh, first order people, like, led by the Richard E. Grant character, I am uh, uh, General Pride. If it just mm-hmm. a, a group of people led by him had been the ones pulling Kylo back to the dark side when he was trying to, when he was torn, and they had all these weapons and they were going to fire, that would have been fine because I really just don't find Palpatine, Palpatine all that interesting. I I think Kylo Ren is the best character in all of Star Wars. So I would have been fine giving him more screen time and having just his arc, I don't know, like just be a bigger part of this movie than really having to spend any time with Palpatine. Even though I didn't mind that Rey was a Palpatine, there's a lot of controversy there because, and I think that's another big thing we need to talk about is that a lot of people that are really big fans of The Last Jedi uh, seem to think that like this is like a big F you to The Last Jedi. And uh, and I and maybe in some ways it kind of is, but like I don't think it is on the level that some people say so. But like one of those big reasons is that, and I agree, is a lot of people like the idea of you know the force. Uh, the the force can be with anyone. It doesn't. You don't have to be anyone special. And then Ray is like the granddaughter of one of the most powerful people in the entire movies in in, in the entire series, uh, as opposed to just 
a nobody. I don't know. I, I just didn't mind. I, I didn't really mind that part of it, though. I mean, the fact is, like, we know there's, like, a lot of, there were a ton of Jedi way back in the day. I mean, not just the Skywalkers and, you know, like, there, there's obviously other people out there. We saw the broom boy scene at the end of 8. So I, I didn't really take that as a direct rebuke of the idea that anyone could be a Jedi so much as they just, for some reason, wanted to bring Palpatine back. I don't know. Maya, where were you on if you wanted him to be the big bad of this movie and I don't know. And do you think they pulled it off? Would it have made a difference to you if you'd actually gotten an explanation of how he came back to life? Or can you just accept that, you know, the dark side has some crazy shit they can do or they can clone or whatever. And I don't really need to know that information. So first of all, Mace Windu is the best character in all of star Wars. Oh, okay. Samuel Jackson that is a take as a Jedi number one with a purple lightsaber. Come on. <laughs> so just hands down. <laughs> Second of all, I have no issue with Palpatine being the big bad. I thought that that was an excellent twist to everything. I totally freaked out in the trailer when we heard his sinister laugh. However, I really would have liked for them to have let it in in a proper way and for it to have been introduced in 8. 8 needs to have been a proper feeder movie into 9. That would have made most of the elements of 9 thoroughly enjoyable, um, I think that nine is pretty much like a group of vignettes that are entertaining and great it, with comedic timing. That's perfect. But like jumbled all together, I feel like it should have been spaced out. There was a lot of eight that could have been mixed in with nine and just making the movies blended together. I'm pretty sure that what's going to happen is somebody on YouTube is going to properly edit the movies all together to have <laughs> two separate films. And it's going to be excellent. But um, truthfully speaking, there's no issue with Palpatine being introduced as the big bad. He honestly has been let in from the, um, you know, the original trilogy. Um, Ian, I want to say his name is Ian Glenn, something like that. Um, Ian something is. It's a excellent. weird British name. Absolutely. I'm sorry. It's Ian McDermott. Yeah, McDermott. Um, so he he's been an excellent sport throughout this entire process. He's a totally like. I mean, oh, I, I, just, I just think he's like a total zero. I have, I do not care about him at all. Well, the thing is, I, I think it's because like if you're watching the movies as a kid, like I was, and mm-hmm. I also my mom saw the original films all at midnight. So like I grew up watching this as well. Palpatine is always going to be the purveyor of, you know, the dark side of the forest. He's going to be the person who's going to make your skin crawl when you hear, you hear him speak. For them to have introduced him into this trilogy to basically it's supposed to have completely ended the saga. Um, it would have been an absolutely excellent thing if they didn't do two things completely incorrectly. Number one, I there's no issue with Ray being a Palpatine. I just think that um, it would have been nice for her to have been nobody because, truthfully speaking, the storyline actually starts with the main character throughout the entire um, series being a nobody. Anakin Skywalker comes from a mother who's pretty much kind of insinuated to be a prostitute. Um, she He lives in a sand planet. Um, he grows up liking space and robots and flying and becomes the most powerful person in the entire universe. I would have liked to see that for Ray and for her to have recognized that just because you have that power doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it for evil. However, in the issue with the, the whole, yeah, what did they, what did they do? Wrong? Yeah. They, they made it that her entire power and everything that she is, is because of him. And I think that that's such a cop out because they've built her up this entire trilogy. They have built, not only, you know, and I'm not going to go the whole, um, you know, strong female warrior type route. I'm just saying they built this excellent character, this entire trilogy only to make it that the entire reason why she has power and why she's special is because of somebody else. And I think that that's really lame that they did that. And I think that it sort of ruins the the buildup for this character, the um, the really making her stand on her own. I think that what they did at the end, um, causing him to shoot lightning out of his fingers, that completely encapsulates the the entire fleet in lightning. It was dumb. Um, it was cool, but it was dumb at the same time. <laughs> I was I was just too much. Um, we get it. You're powerful. Cool. I'm, I'm very happy that you have the entire power of the force of the dark side of the force in your own body. That's really, 
there's a word I'm looking cool for. Flex, I can't man. figure it out. Yeah, I was gonna say like cool, cool story, bro. Like good for you. Um, <laughs> but I think it was cool for her to be able to fight Palpatine. It was cool for her to be able to beat Palpatine. Um, but man, I just really wish that they hadn't made it. The only reason why she was special was because of him. Yeah, we we can start at the end too and talk about the execution of that scene. But I want to ask Josh also though, because I mean, obviously, it seems like you're a little bit on the other side of this whole entire thing. Uh, how, what did you think of the execution and uh, the choice to even uh, bring out Palpatine in, in the uh, in the manner in which they chose to do so? The only time, okay, so again, this is me just talking as someone who's really only seen the movies, and maybe this is something they've explored in the expanded universe that I'm unaware of, but to me, you know, the movies are the canon. So the only time in the movie is that we ever hear about anybody's background as it relates to their Force abilities are Luke and Leia, who come from Darth Vader, who's obviously very strong in the Force, Anakin Skywalker, who was immaculately conceived, presumably. Yeah, I was gonna say we, we don't. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't even know for a fact if he does come from that mom directly. Yeah, the, the expanded universe and the books kind of go into it, but that's it's. If you want to choose canon for the films, let's just talk straight films. Yeah, so, they, they so, do discuss it though. So that's but that's basically where it, what it is, right? Like yes. Yeah. Okay, so. As far as we're aware, the only way to become very strong in the Force is to either have some miracle happen or to be directly lineated to someone who's strong in the Force. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean those are the only people that are Force-sensitive, right? Like, Finn's Force-sensitive. We don't know anything about his lineage. You know, I I kind of, like, kind of tie it back to Harry Potter to sort of, like, whether or not you have wizarding ability, right? It could just be, like, one parent, you know, three generations back, but we don't know that. So I don't think it's crazy to say that the reason Rey is so strong in the Force is because she comes from one of the most powerful Force users we've ever seen, given that in the limited knowledge we have of the Force and its abilities, it tends to be passed down unless you're, you know, the, 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 the fact that she would be, the idea that she would be a nobody but have parents isn't something we've seen established in the film so, thus far. So I'm, I'm not, I, I kind of the whole time, like, I'm happy, it was, I, I'm happy it wasn't Luke, you know? I agree with you, like, I didn't want her to be Luke's daughter. Yeah. But the whole time I was like, she's probably going to be linked back to somebody. And the one thing, they, they didn't have a plan for this trilogy going into it, right? Like, they didn't have the whole, they just sort of went movie by movie, right? Uh, um, it certainly seems that way. I mean, because Ryan Johnson was very much left to his own devices. And, and they, they, they had, a, like, a bare bones for it, but like, they did not have, like, an actual, no. Like, was it, it planned was, that Palpatine was her father in Episode Seven or no? Well, I actually have a theory about that. So I think it was, and I'll tell you why. And I came up with this in the middle of the movie. Have you <laughs> noticed that all the bad guys have British accents, but all the good people have American accents? Hmm. Uh, I noticed that when they were at the table in the one of the Star Destroyers, and they were all talking. I'm like, man, all these people are well, British, except for <gasps> except for Darth Vader. Oh, oh, you mean in this exactly. movie? Exactly. Oh. Well, no, Darth Vader ended up becoming good at the end. Don't forget. Right. Fair, fair. Um, however. So I just had like a theory. I'm like, cool. So the accents are genetically passed down uh, from good people and bad people. That's that's how that works. Um, and the only think about it, she's the only person in the um, the Jedi side that is British. Could have been a hint. I'm just saying. Interesting. Interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, what do you guys think about what Palpatine's plan ultimately was, though? Because, I mean, I thought that was a little uh, it was a little hard to track also because uh, when he finally – and, again, I'm fine just totally breaking down the ending and working our way backwards. But he gets he gets Ray in front of him and is like, you need to kill me so then you can fool. You kind of inherit all my power and uh, the Sith can rise and all that. And then uh, and, and then, it, then all of a sudden he's able to then just kind of like suck the life force out of – both her and Kylo, and then he looks powerful again. But then, when he, they're the dyad. So it's like, so wait, so did you need to do this, or can you now like go just rule on your own? Do you really need her to murder you? And then when she ultimately does murder him, it's when uh, she is uh, he's using the force lightning at her, and she's reflecting it back with the lightsabers. And then he doesn't stop doing it, even though it's starting to melt his face back to where it was before. 
And then when she does kill him, then his plan doesn't come to fruition, even though it was his plan all along to kill him. Do you guys think that, like, his plan should have been a little more clearly laid out? I don't know. Josh, I mean, you seemed like you, you really did like that last act, so I want you to see – I want to see if you can kind of talk me into it a little more. I think – okay, to go back to your point about Palpatine, I think the thing is he's not compelling in the sense that he's complex, right? Like – he is the embodiment of evil, and he was that way when we were introduced to him in the original trilogy. He was that way as we learned to see his real character in the prequel trilogy. And then in this, you know, by this point, he just is evil. So I sure. don't think it's like you're not really like I, I, I don't I don't I'm not looking at him as like, oh, let me find out what his complex motives are. And is there this? No, he's just evil. He wants power. And so I actually think there, from that standpoint, it makes sense then that the sole First Order thing would be him. Because ultimately, he's the one person in the galaxy that wants power over everything. And it makes less sense for them to have just created Snoke out of nowhere than it does for them to be like, oh, okay, this Snoke was just a puppet of Palpatine. Literally a puppet. We saw these Snoke clones. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm a... You know, and again, like, I'm a rose-colored glasses Star Wars fan. Like, I, you know, I'm willing to accept certain things. It's like, all right, like, you know, they needed a bad guy. To have it be Palpatine right from Episode Seven wouldn't have made any sense. It would have been way too much to get into in that first movie back. And then we agreed that it, he should have come back in Episode Eight, but they didn't have the right guy running it. So, you know, they brought him back pretty much as soon as they could into Episode Nine. Um, as for the ending... It's one of those things. It's like I almost need, I need to see it again. I think at that point the emperor was so close and sort of like so close and yet so far, you know. And I think he just sort of had to keep adapting to what was happening at that moment. Like his fleet was ready to launch. Ray was there. That was what was happening until Kylo Ren showed up, or I should say, I get that at that point Ben Solo. Yeah, true. Yeah, he's Ben. Kylo Ren died. Do you think of Ben Solo rocking the most modern clothing we've ever seen in all of Star Wars when he when he's just running to the rescue there? Because he's just wearing a regular like I long think sleeve. He super pants. cute. <laughs> I gotta say, like props to Adam Driver for basically portraying that entire amazing shift by only saying "ow." Yep. <laughs> no, that, that was wow. a really good moment, actually. Uh, that, that was the next thing I was going to ask you about. I mean, I, 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 you don't need to try and make complete sense of Palpatine's plan. I just wanted to see what your thoughts on it were. But I, I guess that's the next logical question to ask you guys, though, because it I think, ties. I, I, Sorry, go just, ahead. Just like, I think I'm okay with that her killing him the way she did. Was different than what her striking him down with a lightsaber. Right, right. I yes. think the way she killed him with the force of all the Jedi was literally like ripping apart his essence rather than the way he wanted to do it. So I'm like, I think it's one of those things that you just sort of have to accept that there's just things about the Star Wars universe that we're not going to like totally understand. But as long as they're not, I would have rather seen Force Ghosts. Do they, what? I mean, yeah, like, I yeah, like help her at the end. Oh, yeah, okay. I would have rather seen that versus just a Luke Skywalker troll worthy force ghost. I mean, number one, let's just let's just be real here. In episode eight, where he throws his lightsaber, basically him saying that you should be valuing your lightsaber a lot more is just a slap in the face to episode eight. I mean, <laughs> that that's exactly what he was doing there, but. If you have force ghosts throughout the entirety of the the series, why don't you use them at the end? What's the purpose well, well, yeah, of not f- force using ghosts force ghosts? Force ghosts can, can actually interact with matter, as we see in this movie. But what do you also think of his force ghost saying, oh, yeah, Leia and I knew you were Palpatine's granddaughter all along. Like, that puts, like, the whole entire, like, second episode eight, all of their scenes in, like, a totally different context, too. It's kind of weird, right? It does. Right? It completely uh, recolors everything. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I don't necessarily hate that that was the way that they did it. I just wish that he didn't specifically say all your power is because of me. Like th- things like that. However, I think that the, the ultimate scene with, um, you know, Ray overpowering with the, with the force of all the Jedi, all of it was great. I think my big issue is you're building up the whole thing with the dyad. You're putting a lot of color to it. He even um, takes his power away from it, and you're just going to kill Ben Solo at the end? 
I mean, even to the point where there's a there's a couple of theories out there that that was not the original um, ending to the film, that Ben was supposed to stay alive, that when Leia died, she gave him uh, her power or her life force, and that the two of them are the twin moon, um, or I guess sun, um, on Tatooine at the end of the movie. Hmm. I don't I don't think Ben Solo could have lived because even though he redeemed himself at the end, he did a lot of horrible stuff, like a <laughs> lot of horrible stuff. Yeah, but he could have he could have redeemed himself. I think like that's, that's why I didn't, that's why I didn't want them to kiss. I wanted them to hug, not kiss. They should have kissed. Him to kiss. They should have hugged. The yeah. kiss was weird. The kiss was weird. He could even like a kiss on the forehead would have been a like much better, like a brotherly sisterly thing than yeah. a kiss on the lips, which was just weird. It felt like they were implying that like if he hadn't died right there, that they should have just lived happily ever after, happily ever after. I'm like, I don't want to forgive him on that level. Like he can have done bad things, and then he can do a nice thing, and those can exist at once. But you can't ask me to like forget the bad things and have him live happily ever after. That would that would right. Work. Well, somebody told me that they actually like de-edited him out of the last shot of the movie and put BB-8 there, which by the way, let's just remember that BB-8 belongs to Poe Dameron. Yeah, was, why does she have him? Yeah, she just stole him. Did um, she just steal him? And they're saying the reason why is because of BB-8 was put in there in place of Kylo or Ben Solo. And a lot of the castmates didn't know that. And so if you've noticed, a lot of people aren't making any commentary on the movie, specifically Adam Driver. And he actually notably stormed out of um, a movie, I guess, interview, because they were talking about it. And there were no, people I, I, who I, had I, left crying. Well, they were. They, he had stormed out, I, I think, because they were asking him if he'd seen it. And then they, he doesn't like to watch his own stuff. Apparently he has a phobia. He has a phobia his- of watching his own right. stuff. That's, this is accurate. But... A lot of people are saying the reason why they're so angry about it is because they did not know about the end of the film and that they changed it in post production. Interesting. Uh, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought the conversation to him, Josh, because it sounds like we're all in agreement on just like the note it should have ended on as far as Kylo's redemption. But did, overall, though, did you think did you buy um, his arc and did you think that him becoming Ben Solo again was earned based on what we'd seen over the course of these three movies? I. Th- I think I'm trying to judge. I don't. I feel like it was expected, you know. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Darth Vader came to the light, and after Palpatine was revealed to be the big bad guy, it just didn't really seem to make sense for Kylo to stay bad until the end. Defending, you know, especially after all the interplay he had with Rey, it just I don't know. It just seemed to me like. I was just sort of predicting that he was going to turn the whole time. I think there's something to, you know, I, I, I would like to, like, I could kind of see it going a few ways. I could see when Ray healed him, her sort of passing something into him that triggered the flip that when then his, you know, it could have been Leia reaching out to him and sending some of her, you know, vibes his way. And that could have done it. It could have just been the pain of getting stabbed through the kidney and realizing that <laughs> you've been given a second chance of life. But I think he realized and, and you know, in the, in the force, it almost seems like there's this when you make that switch. Right. It really does like change who you are. It's not just like making a decision to suddenly be a better person. It's like really like one side, a doctor, you know, a Mr. Hyde overpowering the Dr. Jekyll for good. We also don't know um, what role Han played in that. Like we get he had some visit from some f- form of Han and right and like was that a force him ghost or was that just a memory? Like is that just it wasn't him? a force ghost? It was an unnecessary use of Harrison Ford, is what it was. <laughs> well, the problem is like I, I assume that should have been Princess Leia projecting herself to him, but she couldn't obviously because she'd passed away. Right. So well, they they used her quite a bit in the movie. Well, yeah, I was going to ask I mean, you guys about that. I mean, I think those also. were scenes they shot for the other movies. Yeah. No, it was re-edited and they used the you can actually right. tell it was part of an, it was talking of, to her wasn't it part of a deleted scene from the last jedi and they kind of had to write around it to make this they make exactly the right yeah, yeah yeah yes so she wasn't physically there they had um they had audio and they basically used her talking like they, they kind of wrote the script around certain audio clips that were not used in episodes seven and eight i think that that was a total 
like, I, I mean, a slap in the face to her memory. It just was odd. I think that they could have just done it the right way in episode eight. I get that they wanted you know, General Organa to train her, whatever, whatever. But the way that they did it was so choppy, and there's no relationship there. It, it just it kind of forces her into the narrative versus actually making her really a, a part of it and um, making you feel that she actually is doing something important. It just it felt forced. But the best way that she could have been used was for her force, her life force at the end to give, um, you know, something to Ben and then for Ben to live as a result. That's just when it comes to literary and I, and I come from being an English major. So I'm thinking of um, literary elements. I'm thinking of um, what is the use of this character? Why are they here? Why are they dying? And for Ben to die, it doesn't make sense. He, he did nothing in his death. Alea could have given him her life. That's just the, my, my personal take on it. Th- that being said, I think that I understand the um, fan service element of wanting to have the original trio in the film to close it off. But if you're going to close off a film, you might as well not leave any, um, you know, open, uh, what's it called? Like the tying, they, they, they loose, left, loose they le- yes, they left loose ends on purpose. The kid from the end of the eighth movie, they never explained that name. They, they never brought that up. And she buried her lightsabers because that's something that people normally speaking, do. Speaking of lightsabers, we never figure out from, if you go way back to, uh, force awakens, we never figure out how Maz ended up with Luke's lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, that, that was just one that people thought people would get in. someone a lot of people thought that would get answered at some point but um no i mean i, I again you, I, I i i do agree on i, I think we we're in agreement though on at least you uh maya and i are and how that first part of the movie could have been a little different but i want to ask you guys about the or the last part of the movie could have been a little different but i want to ask you guys about the first part because we're 40 minutes in and we haven't talked about anything but like the last half hour um but i think is and I, i'm curious to talk to you guys about the first like half third of this movie because I feel like it got it's gotten a lot of criticism because it jumps around a lot to a lot of different places really fast. But like I found myself having fun. It might like if you, if you like examine it really closely and try and uh, dig apart each plot point and try and really make a lot of sense of these MacGuffins, then yeah, maybe you can pick it apart a little bit. But I mean, I think these movies do a good job of like at least like creating different or creating interesting planets to look at, which is uh, fun in and of itself. Uh, Josh, what did you think of just the the first act of this movie and how it really does feels like it shows you like six planets you've never seen before? Is that too many? Did you want it to slow down, or were you having a fun time watching that? No, I had no problem with it. I felt like the critics' response to this movie was almost like people trying to guess what the audience responses would be before the audience had a spot, had a chance to really like watch the movie. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really put much stock into the into the critics' reviews. No, I, I found it. I, I mean, I didn't have any problem with it. And honestly, like the latest Marvel movies have been jumping around plenty. So you know, I, I think to say point. that this yeah that to say that this Star Wars movie jumped around a lot, but that like Endgame didn't. Um, no, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're following the same few characters, you know, it's not like you were jumping to 40 different people in all these different worlds that look, that look similar. I think Star Wars does a good job of each planet really looks like itself. You don't, um, you don't have much distinction. It's like, okay, if you're on Exeter, you really know where you are. If you're on Tatooine, you really know where you are. So no, I, I, I didn't have any problem with it. Maya, what did you think of like going to uh, what was the what was the first planet they were on? I'm now I'm Pisana and having to go there to get the the Sith dagger or whatever. Did you did you enjoy seeing that part of the world? So I'm going to I'm going to be the um, contrarian over here. I'm going to totally disagree and thinking that the way that Marvel did it was actually done in a very good way, and that you're actually following the same character line or you're revisiting an older plot line. Um, I made a commentary before that of Disney's doing a lot of introducing of new characters and new places and new technology um, to market it. So the Wayfinder is a very good example of that, that why on earth do you have a Wayfinder? What is this Wayfinder? Why is this introduced here in the first place? And this is kind of like the way that I feel that the first hour of the movie was. Like, I don't know if either of you watch Rick and Morty, but it pretty much, like the the sort of 
the snippets of the vignettes of the different worlds and the different characters were visually outstanding, but it's, it's a, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot of sensory overload and it's a lot to follow because it's not like you're following one specific um, set of characters as you're reintroducing a bunch of different people. You're bringing in, you know, Billy D Williams, which God bless him for looking as good as he does. Honestly, <laughs> he was great. But but you're introducing a lot of fodder at the same time just to fit in basically like a giant bingo box of how many Star Wars fan service things can you put into one movie? Well, I, and it kind of well, I I here's the thing though, like you you know, it seems like every Star Wars movie going back one through nine introduces different worlds, different things. Like you know, go back to. Empire Strikes Back, which is widely regarded as, you know, everybody's favorite Star Wars movie. And think of, like, at the time, all right, they started on Hoth. Nobody knew what Hoth was. And then all of a sudden, Luke's told to Dagobah, go to Dagobah. Nobody knew what Dagobah was. And then they go to, you know, Bespin. But on their way to Bespin, they get lost in an asteroid planet. You know, like, I know it didn't jump around as much as this movie. But if you look back at those movies, it was still introducing. That's like four or five new planets You're in one so movie. Right. You're so, so right. But they're following the same three characters. And in this one, they're just into, like, I, I mean, like I said, I don't know if you guys have seen Rick and Morty, but it's like that. Epi- there, it's like a mixture of two episodes of Rick and Morty is exactly how I described it. It's the episode where they're introducing all these different characters. And it's like, yeah, you know, Sleepy Gary, he's been here the entire time. <laughs> and like the, the episode from the most recent season where it just like um, it's like the heist episode. It's just like, oh, we need to go and find this thing. It's on this planet. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Let's go here. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, now we're on this planet. Oh, we need to go here. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Boop, 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 boop. It's just, it's all over. It's like a giant, like, five-year-old ADD child who cannot focus on one thing. And all I want them to do is just to follow one specific set of what are, what are the, the what's Finn doing? What's Poe doing? What's, I don't remember her name, Kelly, um, Rose. I don't remember her Rose, yeah, thank they, you. that was that what was one, that was, that was a big criticism people had as far as undoing the last movie is they really yeah. gave uh, Kelly Murray nothing to do but like look at a screen. Uh, I, well, I will say Finn, as far as Finn and Poe did nothing. Yeah, I will say as far as uh, whether or not the Wayfinder uh, was like they made good use of that and like you know me I like the Marvel movies but like I mean the Tesseracts are just as much gibberish to me as Wayfinders like uh-huh. I, 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 I'll, I'll say that but I, I, regardless I mean I, I do think within all this jumping around they did have what was a pretty uh, really intense set piece in that first. Uh, uh, act on Kipasana. We already saw it in the trailer, but it was really badass when Ray does her backflip, mm-hmm. slice the wing thing off, and then she has her force showdown with Kylo. Uh, you made the comment, though, about like trying to fit a bunch of fan service in, and I don't think this whole thing with Chewie is what I would necessarily call fan service, as much as I would call like just kind of having no guts when you have a chance to like do something a little different. I don't know, not even that, because I didn't come in, I don't come into movies a lot of times saying, like, I need characters to die. I don't, I think you can have stakes without, like, trying to kill off, like, beloved characters is like a way to do it and that's not necessarily a thing i think you need uh you know like a lot of people at the end of like captain america civil war like really mad one of those two guys didn't die i was like we got plenty of movies left for some of them to die and like one of them died so i'm not coming into these movies being like i need deaths but like how did you guys think that that whole thing was handled i'll I'll, I'll ask you first josh like one like uh whether what what you just thought of that first big uh ray kylo showdown but also uh how they handled that whole thing with chewy where it turns out oh no he's not dead he's on another transport because i'm not coming into this movie thinking i need chewy to die but at the same time like once you go that far and then you don't kill him i'm like this feels like a lot of wasted effort i think okay i thought the set piece was great the backflip over the x-wing was fucking badass the tie fighter i mean uh was awesome i think the fact that they didn't show us like a couple transports coming down Right? They didn't? Or did they? I don't think they really did. If they'd shown us two or three transports and them taking Chewie into one and then she zaps one and you're sort of like, oh, maybe that no, was the one. No, that one. wasn't. They just showed the one. And I agree with you. It's like I didn't come into it being like they better kill off some more characters. But then it's like if you're going to go to that point of like, okay, she accidentally kills Chewie and that's this big moment of conflict for her. Like I would – Obviously, I love Chewie. I didn't want Chewie to die, but, like, I would have been okay if they made that choice of, like, that's what happened, and, 
you know, you have to adjust to this on the fly. Also, she's force sen- she's to- force she's force sensitive enough to realize he's alive. Like in the ne- like a few scenes later, when they're at a different planet, yeah. But she's not force sensitive enough to realize he's not dead there. Very weird. But it's because she's clouded by her um, by her judgment and by her grief. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I I do agree that she could have been a little bit better at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of was like it's similar to the Leia thing in Episode Eight, right? Like they could have had her pass away right there, and it would have been sad, but like understandable. And it just seemed like they were, and and we cannot see three PO into this, right? Like they were going to wipe his memory, and you're like that could have been the end of C three PO. And then twenty minutes later, you're like R two D two happens to have you know his entire storage banks, and you know zap he's back to normal, like. That, that whole diversion was really cool because I like like it was fun watching Babu Freak do his thing. That was a little that was a fun little character to add in there. But like, it was very fun. I mean, like at the same time, like you're saying, Josh, it was a little tonally weird because it, it. I didn't actually watch the trailer. From what I understand, like the trailer seemed to intimate that it was going to be like a very serious moment, and then it didn't play it off that way. But they did go through with it, and it was like, okay, this didn't have to be overly sad. Like you 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 wiped the memory, but like he's still like being used for laughs in like a fun way. So no one's going to leave too sad. And then all of a sudden. It's like nope, R two's got him covered out of nowhere. It's right. like, well, like the, the you could have just had R two like serious. tell him, or somebody could have just like sat him down and explained things to him, and that would have been like more okay. I did think, however, three PO was like the best part of this entire movie. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that Anthony Daniels just in general is so fun. I think he had a great time with it because, like, even he got a close up. When was the first time that you saw C three PO having a close up? Oh, right, it's never happened. That was awesome. Huh. That was actually my favorite part of the moment. When he goes up, he goes, "Well, I just really will miss my friends." And like, it's just he walks up to the camera. And I'm like, man. Now he's a real boy. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think in terms of the C-3PO thing, this good editing in the trailer that you thought that he was going to be having a serious moment. That's just excellent editing. It was a nice diversion. It was a cute little thing that they did. Um, but one of the things that we forget is that Peter Mayhew recently passed away. And really? Peter Mayhew was, yeah, he, yeah, he passed away a couple months ago. Um, and he was, he was ill for a while. He hasn't played Chewbacca in a couple of movies. I think oh, he played it that. in episode seven. I yeah. Forgot. I watched I the thing on ESPN in episode eight. No, 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 no. I watched the thing on ESPN he's, where the guy that plays him now is like a former Penn state basketball player. He's he's like Swedish or something like yeah. that. He's very good looking if you ever want to look him up. But <laughs> if it's, I, I was wearing a Chewbacca onesie and I actually was like so overwhelmed. I was like totally verklempt. During the moment where, like, I think that they're about to kill him. And, like, I see it coming. And I'm just, like, and I'm also a huge fan of South Park as a, as a background. I'm, like, freaking out a little bit. And I'm, like, whispering over to my boyfriend. I'm, like, did they kill Tsubaka? And I'm, like, freaking out. So I was a little happy that they didn't. But you're right. The actual, like, it's, it's like, um, like, just kidding. Like, you know, we have another rabbit. It's not the same rabbit, but it looks exactly the same. It, it's like it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever that they would make that sort of like a magic trick, um, except for the fact that it sort of propels Ray to act um, for for revenge. And she gets motivated, and that's the reason why she goes off. You know, I don't know. I, I just I think that. It could have been a little bit more artfully done, but I didn't hate it. I thought that that was a really nice way to sort of play it off because because of the fact that Peter Mayhew died, I think that they killed Chewbacca off, that would have been a little insulting to his memory. And then Chewie gets his medal. And he gets his medal, well, finally. killed off Leia. They, uh. they killed off Leia. Leia is not wearing a giant, hairy man suit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So it sounds like you guys are both in agreement just quickly on the Leia thing, because I think you mentioned, I think you agreed with Josh when Josh said they had a chance to send her off really nicely in Last Jedi. You guys both thought they probably shouldn't even bothered for this movie, I guess. Oh, a hundred percent. They, they should have killed her. Not, not killed her off. Sorry, that's a horrible thing to say. But they should have, <laughs> they should have elegantly had her pass in the eighth movie as they had a prime opportunity to do it and then just chose not to do it. Yeah, I guess they'd already. She kind of played a big enough role. I mean, she didn't. She she did enough things. I guess in the last act of Last Jedi that after she died, before the movie had come out, they just didn't want to 
change it up that much, but I feel like they really could have if they really put their mind to it. I, w- I want to talk about the other characters, though, because I think Maya mentioned the point that, like, look, unfortunately, Finn just didn't really have anything to do. Uh, we get, like, a minute of Poe's backstory. We find out that Poe was a spice runner, uh, which is, I That's, guess, I, what, it's no. like basically the equivalent of a drug dealer, right, in Star Wars. Yes. So that was that, and that, that, that is the that is the Poe story we get. And uh, I don't know. My, one of my bigger problems with Last Jedi was that like they didn't really have anything to do with Finn there. Finn didn't really have anything to do there either. I don't know. So I, I don't know exactly what I wanted from it going into this movie. But I mean, he was maybe the most interesting part of Force Awakens, and I guess they might have just almost run out of stuff for him to do. And he's just kind of there mm-hmm. helping in the various action scenes, and he gets a lot of action, but I don't not a ton else besides that. But like, but then what? What, what would he have done? Like, well, that's what know, I was going to ask you guys. Is, about not wanting the movie to be too complex, and I think if for him to have split off, and he's doing his own thing, and Ray's doing her own thing, and Poe's doing his own thing, that would have been insane. Yeah, it's probably the, it's probably the, it's probably the least of my criticism. Done. No, go ahead. If man. you had less characters and you had less stuff in the background, you could have concentrated more on your your main three. But they didn't do that. But but your fewer characters would mean like less C three PO, less Lando, less like no. you know what I mean. Like you're already- what does Lando need to do there? Lando is there as assistance for five minutes and then he's gone. But the what they did is they add so many different elements into it that you're taking them away from the main part of the battle. There, there's just a way. I mean, granted, they, they introduced this uh, Jana. Char- they introduced this Jana character played by Naomi Aki, who. Um, also a former stormtrooper, and that was like very late in this whole entire thing. Like in the last third of the movie, you're trying to bring someone new on, and that those lines, that time, I guess could have gone to someone else. You know, I mean, I'm sure well, she's think, a nice actress. But. It seems like they wanted to find a love interest for Finn just to sort of send him off and be like, look, like Finn met somebody, they're going to be happily ever after. I think the problem is it's like okay, you you know, as we're saying, like you only have so much screen time for so many characters. And you're taking an existing, you know, an existing product that people are going to have certain expectations for. And if you're kind of saying, like, well, why bother having Lando? Well, sure. But then, like, that's what makes it feel like a Star Wars movie. You well, don't no, I'm not saying all not why, sorts of references, but by having... I'm not saying you know, why bother having Lando. I'm saying Lando doesn't do anything except for add to the film. But, like... He he wasn't a main character or anything. Like he, it's, I'm saying, the more that you splinter off the main plot line, the more that you splinter off the characters and their jobs, the weaker the film becomes. So Lando, sure, but, but makes so you sense. You can't have that. You can't have that criticism and then also say like Finn didn't do anything because if you're if you're saying that like you need to sort of keep the plot coherent, then you have to be okay with some characters not having as much to do because otherwise if everybody's got to have something to do, then you're talking about an insane plot. I'm not saying that he didn't. I'm saying that he couldn't, that the film did not lend itself for him having any significant part, except for trying to tell Ray that he loved her. And then, Oh, just kidding. We're actually alive. I think he was trying to tell her he was force sensitive. Yeah. I've heard that too. JJ Abrams confirmed that. I can find that on Twitter, but really? Yeah. 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 Abrams confirmed that at a panel that it was he was going to tell her he was forced into which is very weird just to not go back to it all because how can you watch that and then just don't you have to think the whole audience is going to think it's him wanting to say he loves her like the yes. fact that J.J. Abrams has to go out and make a statement like that kind of shows that they didn't edit it together well but I would agree with Josh it that it shows th- that they lost the, the real feeling of the film I, I think that, that, that's I what think nobody got my guess would be in J.J.'s mind they made it obvious enough because oh. Leia said to him, I, 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 I agree with you that yeah, it wasn't because yeah, yeah. obviously we all talk. Yeah. But I think just from 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 a creative's mind, my guess is he was thinking, OK, Leia says to him, Leia seems to hint that she knows he's force sensitive. Right. Because she says, like, I know it, or Ray knows how you're feeling and I know how you're feeling, too. So she probably knows mm-hmm. he hasn't mentioned it, which means he's embarrassed about it. So therefore, he wouldn't want to just like blurt it out in front of Poe, who's like his buddy. And then we find out later in the movie that he is force sensitive and doesn't really seem to be in love with Ray because he like falls. So I think like I can see from JJ's perspective where he's kind of like, I've set it up, but I don't think he knocked it down as much as he thought he did. Why doesn't he use it? Well, I mean, not everyone knows. Well, the thing is, that's further proof as to how Finn could have been used in this. 
yeah. think the point is that not everybody's going to be like this amazing force genius. He's force sensitive, but like Leia was force sensitive in the original trilogy, and then it took Luke like really training her to become a Jedi. She wasn't able to just pick it up like Ray was. Ray is the one in the new trilogy. That's what I'm trying to say. We're we're having an issue using these characters, and he has this entire skill that I totally forgot that he had. By the way, I, th- I think I would have liked to have just been a conversation at some point. I, I I would agree with Josh that I think this is a, a much more fair criticism of the Last Jedi than it would be of this because the whole casino adventure is really dumb in the last Jedi and that's a yeah. lot of that's a lot of screen time devoted to Finn that could have when they could have given him something a little more uh, meaningful to do but here I agree when you're trying to do a plot this sprawling it's understandable that like he's not going to just be able to do as much though if that is what JJ wanted I think one thing they could have found the time for is just like at least some kind of conversation where even if it's not Ray where he does confide in someone about how he's struggling with it and make it clear like yeah he, he can't really just use it and wield it because it's not as it's not coming or as natural com- to him as it did to Ray or a conversation about the force in general I mean you have a kid at the end of episode 8 that clearly is force sensitive as well she's hiding lightsabers I mean something just something that lends itself to what is the force why does it exist why does she have the um, not she but why do people have the propensity for the power something something about the force and you know that's the one thing that is just never really touched upon it's always glossed over because it's such a big concept that nobody wants to tackle it, but maybe just maybe that you have a situation where you have a force sensitive former stormtrooper that could have done something about it. I'm just saying, like may- maybe if the plot wasn't so convoluted, maybe if episode eight had been done in the proper way, that they could have sort of built that into the plot line, and they just never did. It's completely like I said, it's so ignored that I totally like missed it because there's so much else going on, yeah. and that would have been such an excellent thing to bring into everything. That the force is not just for somebody who's passed on in a bloodline. That it's something that other people, like an Anakin Skywalker, couldn't just develop over time. I think that it really can okay. bring in the balance. Okay, Maya, I, 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 I think I might. I think I might know something that you did like in this movie. You, you, you can't not like Trader Hux. That was a great twist, right? It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. I loved it. I mean, that that was something it's that was me. like. I'm the spy. I <laughs> fucking died. <laughs> I mean, like, but it was so perfectly set up through like the whole entire trilogy, right? Oh, he treated I mean, him like crap the whole time. Yeah, like, like, they, 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 uh, they, it, was like, it was like the best part of the last two movies was just them bitching at each other, and then to have it pay off in that way it was just pretty. It was pretty great and pretty consistent with these characters. I thought he was, he was like the one. Like, there's been so many actors in this. It's it's like that's actually my, maybe my biggest criticism aside from like the just disjointed plot is they've had all these like side actors. Like, they had, uh, I forget the actor's name, uh, but the guy who played Murray slash Pippin, but whoever it was that was in this oh, movie. Dom- like, yeah, Dominic like, Monhagen from yeah. Lost, which the yeah, only Dominic reason Monaghan. he's there is because of J.J. Abrams. Right, like, Same with Gary Russell. Yeah. Like, them, Kerry Russell, um, uh, the other girl from uh, Gwendolyn Christie, like, all these people that were like, oh, they have, a, they're going to be in Star Wars, and then, like, kind of did nothing other than, like, were in Star Wars. But I felt like this was the the one where they were like, oh, Domino Gleason's in this. And then it's like, you're kind of like, why have they been kind of billing him? It's like, oh, because it actually kind of plays an important role eventually. He uh, mansplains everything to everybody. That's his entire role. <laughs> I can tell. Sorry, really am I allowed to curse in this podcast? Facials. Yes, we, we actually have the, I thought you knew that by now, Maya, but we have the explicit tag on Apple Podcasts. So uh, oh. the little kids are already warned. So Oh, sorry. Fuck. He walks around like somebody's walking around in front of him farting the entire time. That's a very that's a very great description of his face for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, let me see. One, one other thing I wanted to ask: uh, we had the one. One of I thought one one thing I thought was one of the cooler like set pieces in the movie too is uh, even if it was kind of silly for the Wayfinder to be hidden on the wreckage of the second Death Star. Was, I guess that planet is called Kefbeer. And I know I just thought that whole entire section looked really cool, and the fight between Ray and Kylo on the Death Star remnants was like really great and one of the more thrilling set pieces of the trilogy. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on that corner of the movie, Maya? Did it work for you better than some of the rest of the movie, or were that was my favorite visual element of the movie? Okay, and it's because I love I love a, a good set piece. I think that that's how. It, I love feeling claustrophobic, and I know, I know that sounds stupid, but if you look at the original trilogies, a lot of it's done in an enclosed set piece, and you don't really have the open space, and you don't have the technology to make it sort of feel like you're in outer space. You have a closed ship. 
you have a closed restaurant or I don't know, cantina, I guess. But, um, but in terms of the way that they did that, it felt like star Wars versus the first part of the movie where he's going through a doctor who esque, you know, red space worm just to get to this wayfinder. And the first elements of this movie, when I first saw it, I literally said to myself, well, this isn't star Wars. This is a cool visual film, but it's not star Wars. And the second that they were on the remnants of the death star and they were having that fight, I'm like, this is what it feels like this, like this excitement, the, the, um, just, uh, it was so intricately done. Um, that was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it looked really cool, guys. We're almost at like an hour now, um, so I don't want to keep <laughs> you. T- yeah, no, we're already at an hour, but I don't want to keep you too much longer. So, uh, I, I, before I give you like chances to like give like final thoughts on anything you want, I'll just ask specifically, and you can take this as an opportunity to uh, expound on the Mandalorian or anything else that might be coming on Disney Plus or uh, where you want to go from now. But Josh is someone that, like you said, is uh, really considers yourselves more a connoisseur of the movies more so than anything. But it seems like this whole Star Wars thing could go in a lot of directions on other. Forms formats uh what are you hoping to see next i mean aside from like i guess the uh i guess there's an obi-wan kenobi disney plus series in the works and is there anything else you're hoping to see from star wars soon or a vision of what the next actual movie should look like since they've kind of halted the standalone films but ryan johnson may or may not be working on a trilogy or maybe they'll do some movies in a few years but they're definitely taking a break up from kind of this section of the world do you have expectations just in general for like where you want to see star wars go next i think the cool thing that star wars can do now is they've sort of solved the large universe problem right and they can i think bring the scale down a little bit so what i'd like to see is them keep some familiar characters around and whether or not they want to do another trilogy or just one-off movies um, but I'd like to see them explore sort of the like intricacies of the universe a little bit, sort of like what we're seeing with the Mandalorian, where we're just seeing like just a different aspect of life, a different aspect of, you know, culture there, um, some intrigue, some adventure. But I really think like you could do a series maybe set just in one system, you know, or even not just on one planet or you do a series like, all right, you have Ray is back as she's the last Jedi and we've sort of set up through the movies that other people are force sensitive. So maybe it's time to start training the next generation of Jedi. Maybe they're not going to be called Jedi. Maybe they're going to be something else. I don't know. So maybe a series where at set at the Jedi temple where they're training youths, um, Maybe it's set around Finn and his Jedi training, but something where they don't have to save the whole galaxy. They're not saving the universe anymore. They're not. There's no giant galactic first order. The 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 universal galaxy government is in shape, but you just have local bad guys, and that's where you sort of focus. You take that scale down. No star destroyers. Maybe just a couple of Tie Fighters. Hmm. And I'd really like to see them explore the universe in that way. Um, how does the average? You know, if you have a a universe where the average person doesn't really come into contact with the force. Like how are they really going to react when somebody around them is using it, um, on that, you know, more local level. Yeah. Maya, what about you? Do you, is there something you're hoping to see next? More Mandalorian. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, I like that you have that answer and that Josh said what he said. Cause I think Josh really hit on what I want is that like, as I was watching the original trilogy over in preparation for where I was a Skywalker, I was like, this is really cool, but this world feels like really small. I want to see what's going on in just the other corners of these universe that aren't having to concern themselves with these massive things. And then we got the prequels and I was like, wow, well, George Lucas kind of read my mind there, except he's just interested in things that I'm just not very interested in, like trade routes and Senate politics and stuff like that. And I think the Mandalorian's like finally like filling in all those gaps and going to all these different corners and seeing what people are doing when like, empire and resistance fighters are off doing their own thing what does it look like when other people are doing their own thing within this universe and i i i kind of like that like in the context of the mandalorian sure but it seems like there probably would be room to like have other types of characters like our leads in the mandalorian i mean no one as cute as baby yoda but you you get what i'm saying like other types of figures and having to interact with other parts of the world and i i hope that's really i hope that's what disney really kind of explores because it seems like they want to give the movies a rest for like a, a hot minute and i'm fine with that I agree, and I think that the the thing that the, both of you sort of touched upon is that the universe feels smaller when you're watching uh, not only the original trilogy, but when you're watching The Mandalorian. And I think the reason why is because um, it's not a budgetary thing. It's the way that they're sort of really using um, 
you know, not only good set pieces and good actors, but they're using a lot of creativity in terms of makeup and sort of, you know, costume design. And I think that kind of bringing in those different elements to make it feel like you're, you're actually in a different world, but you're able to sort of focus in on certain elements, it makes it more exciting. And I think that the one mistake that the, um, the bigger movies made was really overutilizing that budget and making it feel like a big film to the point where it wasn't palatable. And like the, what they're doing with the Mandalorian is just, they, they're focusing it in on, um, the episodes are never too long. They're all in, in a way they're not long enough. Yeah, but if that, all and those I were an hour, more. it'd be like it could be a tough. Like it'd be tough. If they're it's like not. Really dark I know, him. but yeah. but that's what's good about what they're doing with it is not every episode is even more than forty minutes. Yeah. It leaves you one um, more too, which is good. Yeah, but if they're able to replicate that alongside a couple of different lines, I mean, Rogue One was a perfect film. It really was, and Rogue, Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars wow. film. That's a take. Um, it was, I mean, I thought it was perfectly done because you have an enclosed setting where you don't necessarily need to have a spinoff. You don't necessarily need to do what's necessary in order to, you know, keep the bankroll coming. We're going to be and here like an hour if we like try and get in an argument about Rogue One. Cause I don't really no, no, like no, no. I know, I know. We're not, we're not. But I'm saying that um, if, if Disney can just enclose the world in a little more, not have those loose ends, then, all, then they're really going to be able to make people really fall in love with this franchise. And and it will play in with the parks. It will play in with what they're doing in terms of merchandising. I mean, I would much rather a Baby Yoda doll than a Porg doll any day. Fair enough. So. Josh, any final thoughts on Rise of Skywalker before we sign off? Anything else you didn't touch on or any other points you thought of that you want to make before we say goodbye? Man, what a deep question. No, I just hope that people don't think too much about it just enjoy it it's been a great nine movies it's it's star wars and, and that's just totally fair it. like i said like my, my, in that first act like i when i wasn't thinking too hard about it like you can really enjoy this movie all for all of its faults i can see why someone would really enjoy it if you don't try and overanalyze it but we talk about movies here so inevitably we're going to do a little bit of that uh, maya any other final thoughts uh from you please don't bring back the franchise in 15 years please don't bring back the franchise in 15 oh, years well, that seems like a, that seems like that seems like a pretty futile ask uh, I know. Um, all right, Josh, at this point in the podcast, we uh, like I like to give guests a chance to kind of plug anything they want to plug. Maya is kind of a blank slate in that regard, and she doesn't like plugging anything. But in, in addition to like any personal stuff, you can also be like, hey, I've been watching this lately, and I think you should check that out. Or this is a movie, another movie or TV show I saw that I really like that you should look. Or you can just plug your Twitter and plug anything else where people can find any of your stuff. So the floor is yours now before we sign off. Okay, coming in February is the television series that I've been more excited for than anything else. Survivor Season 40. Oh, man. 20 former winners, winners at war, 20 former winners coming back, a lot of them only for the second time ever. It's going to be amazing. It better be the best season of Survivor ever. They just had a and rough season, though. Like, a bad, bad publicity and all of that. Yeah, and it's like... They've kind of had a good run the last few years. This was bad because of the sexual harassment, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it was really bad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the players, like, was touching, inappropriately touching. Now, the good news what? is, like, he got kicked off, and nobody that was, like, a total asshole this season won. So, like, I think that they, like, kind of, I mean, it was bad, but they learned a lot, and they've actually changed a lot of their procedures. But anyways, Survivor Season 40, Winner's Award is going to be amazing. If you happen to be listening to this and you happen to like Philadelphia area basketball, you can check out my work at cityofbasketballlove.com, and that's all I got. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think probably more of my listeners are Florida-based, but anyone that is yeah, no, 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 but, like, I'm glad you did plug the website, because anyone that cares about basketball in the Philadelphia area should follow Josh on Twitter and uh, subscribe to his website. Uh, as usual, I'm at Josh Renovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd, and the podcast Twitter is Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast Gmail is TheRewindMoviePod at gmail.com if you want to send us any feedback. Uh, I think coming up next, uh, the podcast that I might have already promised but I'm, I ended up deciding to hold on Dark Waters and Richard Jewell will be coming out. And then after that, we'll have a podcast on Uncut Gems and Little Woman. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. Thanks again to Josh and Maya for joining me. We'll see you next time.